0: Welcome to The Swo-Files, I'm Abby.
1: I'm Levi, and this is a podcast where we get to know our colleagues. We're profiling a new swo Me each and every episode.
0: And this week on The Swo-Files, we're getting to know Sarah Gagan, Microsoft Alliance Manager for North America. She's chair of the Southern California WIT Network chapter. She's a crime junkie podcast junkie. And her first crush was Prince William.
1: All that and more on the latest episode of The Swo-Files. So, Abby, today's guest is uh, special because I think it's the hardest last name we've had to pronounce.
0: Easily. Well, Dina's last name was a little bit hard, too, too. at least for me. (laughs) I
1: think I've practiced enough. I think I've got it down. It's Gaggin. Did I do it right?
0: Yeah, I think so. I'm sure she'll correct you if you did it wrong. We'll have to. I
1: think the hardest challenge is that it's spelled very differently than it sounds.
0: It depends on how you look at it, though, because if you look at it and you know how it's pronounced... You're like, oh, I can see how we got to that conclusion.
1: And maybe we can just chalk it up to being, we're Americans. She's not an American, so maybe that's throwing us off.
0: Yeah, maybe it's maybe it's us.
1: <laughs> and part of that not being American, I thought was really interesting of her story of how she found Software One first off, and then how she eventually found her way over to the U.S.
0: Yeah, similar to our other Irish guest. uh, she didn't find software One as much as software One found her.
1: Yeah, it was a recruitment day type of a thing. And for a while, she even thought she was being pranked when they said uh, Chris Brown was going to be one of the people talking to her because she was thinking it was Chris Brown the singer. But even <laughs> though she thought it was a prank and everything happened, it, it turned out really good. And, and she obviously had a lot of success and, and ended up getting the chance to move over to California.
0: Yeah. And now she's entering into a new role. And I really enjoyed hearing her talk about it because it sounds like um, she's having to flex a different skill set than maybe she had to in her BDM role. Uh, So I really enjoyed hearing her perspective on that new role and the new challenges that she's working on.
1: Yeah. And then after we talked about the the roles, we kind of got into pop culture a little bit, which was, you said, really exciting for you because she also has a, a, a favorite show in common with you.
0: Yeah, and I I was thinking Levi, we might have to do a special episode where it's just like a pop culture uh, episode. I think we might. I've been consuming so much content uh, this year, in particular, with uh, the pandemic and and being quarantined and things like that. Um, so yeah, so she also is a as a podcast junkie. So she likes podcasts. We actually made her uh, Spotify Wrapped this year as a top podcast, and we are among. A remarkable company. Really uh,
1: good company. Brene yeah. Brown and Michelle Obama. So that's. Yeah.
0: Impressive. And I, I, you know, we got a few uh, listeners who shared with us that we made their top podcasts. And I really do think maybe as a gift to our listeners, we should introduce them to other podcasts because <laughs> we only have like six episodes. <laughs> so you could not have been doing a lot of listening to other podcasts.
1: <laughs> we love the support. But yeah, you probably should be listening to other things, too.
0: um but back to the pop culture uh so i was really embarrassed actually because um i guess i'm just gonna say it and now the world will know it. i have never seen an episode of game of thrones
1: well i should have been there more to support you because i was late to the game of thrones bandwagon uh only like A year and a half ago, I finally picked it up. And I did read all the books, and I've watched a couple of the seasons, but I haven't made it all the way through. So I was also late to the bandwagon. I should have been there to support you.
0: Okay. But (laughs) the good thing is we both had just finished watching The Crown and, you know, finding ourselves on Wikipedia benders about the royal family. So, And I enjoyed hearing uh, a little bit about her growing up uh, and the royal family uh, in her family and yeah that was good she
1: had all those um scrapbooks from her grandma and her mom and and even hers and I had to double check with you to make sure Prince william was was a good prince so that was good we cleared that away <laughs> <laughs> that's all fine
0: <laughs> so far I think I mean <laughs> yeah you think
1: he's good I guess we I no
0: major him. scandals his family's cute on Instagram so yeah,
1: yeah I think we're safe there yeah
0: so. yeah. Well, hey, I could sit here and talk pop culture all day. We'll have to do a special episode for that. Uh, Should we pass it on to the episode to hear more from Sarah?
1: Yeah, let's dive in.
2: Let's go. (laughs) Like I was telling my mom earlier, I was like, "I'm going to be on Spotify."
0: She was. (laughs) We actually have you seen the um like the Spotify like top um. What is it, Wrapped? The Wrapped Spotify thing yes, that's going on right now? it's in there.
2: Suffer One is in mine. You, it's, uh, you guys, you're in great company. It's Crime Junkie, because I really Ooh. love that podcast. Uh, you guys, Brene Brown and Michelle Obama.
1: Wow. Oh, my
0: gosh. <laughs> <laughs> that just made my night, Sarah. Like, in that company? Oh my god. I know. I've I think, had three people today tell me that we landed in their, their top listens. That's Part funny. of me is like, do we need to make some podcast recommendations to these people? <laughs> yeah, like, we only have, have like six sure. episodes. <laughs> um okay, cool. So I think we'll we'll probably go ahead and kick it off. Um Sarah, can you just say your name and title and how long you've been at Software One to kick it off?
2: Yes. Uh so my name is Sarah Gagan. Um, I'm the Microsoft Alliance Manager for North America, and I have been with Software One for just over seven years.
0: Awesome, thank you. And so I was, I was queuing Levi, and I said, I said, I haven't worked with Sarah much, but I had a funny thing happen. When I joined the virtual networking event for (laughs) the WIT event uh, for Gabriella Schuster's award that she was receiving, and I thought I had joined like a panel that you were on with like four other women. And then I found out that I was the idiot who like left my um, my camera off and I was muted Well, well, it was just a networking event. Like I was supposed to like turn my camera on and, and just network with these, with like the five women in the room. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was saying how I was like really embarrassed and I pinged you (laughs) afterwards. Um, but all that to say is that you're quite involved in the women in technology, um, group. And we didn't have this on like our list of questions we sent you, but I was hoping you could speak to your involvement in that
2: yeah, so um, when I first moved to, to Southern California, so um, coming in as a BDM, like I'm hustling here out in SoCal, right? Checking out the surf scene, seeing where I can get business from. Um, <laughs> and I actually was on Meetup, part of um, IAMCP. And it was like a bunch of Microsoft partners. I was like, oh, well, I'll go along and like see if there's any way like I can find some partners to maybe get some business from. Um, so I joined that networking group and they needed somebody to run kind of like their, their WIT initiative within IMCP for Southern California. And I was like, sure, like what a great way to meet people, something to get involved in, something I'm passionate in. Like, I don't know many people in Southern California, so I have plenty of time on my hands. Um, so I did that for a couple of months and then they decided to separate off, um, and then the WIT network was born from IMCP and it was sponsored by Microsoft. Um, and Gabriella was our executive sponsor. Um, so they were like, hey, like, just want to naturally take over Southern California and be our chapter president. So I was like, of course, I would love to. So I've been doing that for a couple of years. 2020 uh, has been different, right, with COVID and stuff. So a lot of the stuff has been virtual or taken advantage of what they've been doing on a US and global level. Um, but it's I really, really enjoy doing it. And it's given me some great experiences. I got to like host a panel in front of 500 people with a lot of oh, Microsoft wow. execs. Gabriella Schuster was there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's been super fun. Uh, and I thoroughly enjoy doing it.
0: Oh, good. Um, So tell us about your new role. Um, What are you, what does this new role entail for you?
2: Yeah. So my main, if I was in an an elevator or a lift, as I would say with somebody, uh, (laughs) my main role is to drive Microsoft services. So that's where I'm really focused on, um, both within the Microsoft ecosystem, right? So within Microsoft executive leadership, but within their sales team, making them aware of the services that we have to offer, right? Trying to get us out of that LSP bubble that they sometimes put us in. Um, But on top of that, it's also working with our internal stakeholders in terms of, okay, well, how can we leverage, um, you know, Microsoft um, programs or incentives or whatever it might be to help us get our messaging out to our customers, to help Brian's team to go to market. Like how can we link this all in? So we're all kind of singing from that same message and sheet, but yeah, just driving the services is my real main focus.
0: Excellent. So what would you say is your favorite part of your job right now? And then also, were there any things that, um, you run into in this new role that you weren't expecting or that caught you off guard?
2: Uh, that's such a great question. <laughs> um, I, I, You know what, what's really interesting and what I'm really enjoying is it's super challenging for me right now. So being, coming from like a BDM role into more of, you know, it certainly has like a sales aspect to it, right? My job is kind of selling into Microsoft, but also has a lot of strategy and kind of thought process behind it that... I really have to kind of take a step back and put into, which is challenging me right now. It's definitely pushing me to the edge of my comfort zone, but I enjoy that. Um, I might not say that every day, but I do. Because <laughs> um, it's just, it's nice to like, okay, like work. And when you get there, like you've really worked towards something and you got there. Um, what was the other half of the question? Sorry.
0: Oh, was there anything that um, you've run into in this new role that you weren't expecting or caught you off guard? Um, I don't think so. I think I felt like it's what I knew
2: it would be. Um, It's been super exciting kind of, you know, getting to see a little bit more behind the scenes within Microsoft, how stuff is done, how decisions are made. And, you know, by the time it gets to us at VDMs, the thought process that people put into it, right? Um, And how that looks and how we offer our services and stuff. So, yeah. That bit's been really interesting for me,
1: too. So, Sarah, I've got a question. You said you've been at Software One for about seven years, so back to 2013. And, you know, you already mentioned that you're Irish. We we can hear you've got a different accent. But I don't really know much about your journey within Software One from Europe and and the UK, I presume, to California. So can you tell us a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, it's actually a really interesting story. Uh, I don't know if this will want to be edited, but <laughs> <laughs> it's super fun. So uh, I used to work for um, in distribution. So I used to always work in IT distribution, like similar to like an Arrow um, or an Ingram Micro within the UK. Um, and I wanted to, to move where I'm from, um, up near Manchester, which is where my family lived, um, down to London. Uh, so I got a job at a distributor there and I hated it. Um, So I was literally just started applying for jobs everywhere. I really wanted to be on the reseller side so I could have more of that impact with the customer and have the conversations with the customer rather than going through a third party. Um, And then I had this recruiter call me one day and he was like, you know, are you ready to rip up trees? I was like, sorry, He was like, are you ready ready to rip up trees? Are you that kind of person? I'm like, I can certainly try. Um, And he was like, you know, yeah, we really want you to like interview for this uh, role within this global organization. They're a reseller. They're Microsoft's biggest partner. And I'm like, but he wouldn't tell me the name. I'm like, who are these guys? Um, But he definitely kept me intrigued. And I was like, "Okay, I will go. Um, So I finally got the details. And it was like for a recruitment day. So it was a whole Saturday where there'd be like different activities, et cetera, et cetera. And I was like, yeah, this sounds fine. But I actually, the night before went out, um, I got super drunk. (laughs) So I was so hungover, like I can't even describe. Um, but I stuck through the day and, um, the job role was for this kind of global-ish role where it was working with the U.S., Canada, South Africa, and Australia, I believe, um, around cold calling um, and kind of like, you know, going after net new customers and net new business, because it's what I'd always done, it kind of like in a different previous life. Um, and I actually, at the end of the day, kind of said to, to Zach, who runs um, the, that federation and who runs the UK, I was like, I don't really want a global role. I've just moved to London. Quite happy to see what it's like here. But like, they really sold Software One to me and I'd like a job here. Um, he was like, okay, well, we'll take that feedback I was like, okay, great. I probably fluffed it. Like, um, And then I get a call from the recruiter, and they're like, yeah, like they'd like you to come in for an interview with Chris Brown. And I'm like, oh, my God, they're really joking with me now. It's like, Chris Brown, uh, like the singer? He was like, no, no, he's not the singer. He's... <laughs>
0: because that was what 2013 that was Chris Brown's prime I know I
2: was like you're joking with me right they probably thought we'll just have a laugh at this girl she turned up hungover um, and we'll (laughs) tell her that she's going to interview Chris Brown she'll probably believe it Um, so yeah I went in um, and met with Chris Brown who I now know is not the singer Chris Brown and interviewed as a TBDM in his team he was still a BDM at the time um, but not for long. Uh, a couple of months after I got hired, he moved into the sales director role for the UK. Um, but And then I moved into a, to a BDM role. Um, and then Chris, I remember Chris actually saying to me in my interview, he's like, oh, I know the role that you interviewed for um, had a part of going to the US. He's like, you'd have to do three years here before you go to another country at Software One. I was like, okay, you got it. And three years later, Chris is like, I'm going to the US. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, and then I was like, you know, thinking about it and was looking to see if there was any job opportunities. And I spoke to the UK team about it. Um to see if there was an opportunity to transfer over. Um and I like Chris was hiring at the time, so it all just worked out perfectly. And yeah, here I am. I'll be here four years in March. Now wow. to go for my green card. Oh, wow. Which is That's awesome.
1: And- so when you were thinking about moving to the U S what was it just a sense of adventure and Hey, I want to try something new or, or was there something more specific that you said, I definitely want to go to California for whatever reason.
2: Yeah, so it sounds super corny. So I have um, a lot of extended family here. So when I was sure. younger, we came here, you know, a couple of times um, throughout like my early teens um, to visit our family um, and I loved it there was something about when I came here I always kind of felt at home I was like I really enjoyed it here I really kind of like I mean even though it's not massively cultural differences there definitely is some I was like I just kind of feel like home here and so it was always like my goal my goal was to work hard enough and it was always kind of seemed like you know not impossible but like hey that's a challenge go get it this is something that you want to go and do um so yeah there was a bit of sense of adventure um California probably was never top of my list I always would have pictured me probably more over on the east coast um but it made sense for me to come to California you know Chris was here um there was another colleague who had moved over at the same time um about a year before me so it was like I know people here like I'd know my job I'd know my manager everything else will seem new but at least that would kind of feel the same so that's the reason why I came this way
1: yeah and so usually we ask people how they describe Software One, and I'm just curious, you know, when you told your family and friends back in Europe that you were about to move to California for this job, how did you describe what Software One is? Because most people can't understand, like, did they think it was some crazy technology company or how, how what did you tell them?
2: So yeah, actually, most of my family and friends think I'm Chandler from Friends. No one knows what I actually do. <laughs> <laughs> you know what you do, your Chandler? I was like, okay, but um, and I think it works the same here. You guys, if, so if I think of like your cell phone, this is how I describe it to my friends. We have a store in the UK. Uh, there was phones for you and there was Carphone Warehouse, who were actually my customer when I was uh, BDM in the UK. And you'd go into the Carphone Warehouse and they would have every network provider. So here it'd be like Verizon, T-Mobile, um, is it Sprint is the other one? Yep. Um, mm-hmm. And they would kind of assess what you need. So this is how I describe it. It's like, you know the way you go into Carphone Warehouse and they would ask you loads of questions like, how many applications do you have on your phone? How much time do you spend, like, on Instagram, on Facebook? How many texts do you send? Roughly, you know, how many times do you spend actually on the phone call? Um, and they will go through and they'd build you out like a plan and be like, okay, well, this is the this is the profile for what you need in terms of like your plan, your minutes, your calls, your texts, your day, etc. And then they'll start asking questions like, how do you use your phone? Do you use it for? Um, photography or do you just literally use it as a phone <laughs> or do you use it for browsing etc okay well this is the phone that meets your plan and they're they're like oh, okay I was like yeah so it's kind of like that so um then you will know, take the plan I'll show them the right way to buy that plan right here's your best cost here's what it's going to cost you per month um and I was like that's what I do but I do it for software And instead of it just being one phone, it's like a very, very big family plan where there could be hundreds of thousands of (laughs) plans that we have to work out for a customer. And when it gets too much, then we just manage it for them. They don't do anything. They just receive their phone and start using it. So that's normally how I describe Software One to my family and friends. Like it's uh, helping them pick out their cell phone plan. Yeah,
1: I think (laughs) that's that's a great analogy. Yeah, that's a good one.
0: That's super good. They still think I'm um, Chandler from
2: Friends, so. Right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You'll just start telling them that. You're like, no, mm, I'm Chandler from yeah. Friends. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Um, Can you tell us about a really great project that you've been a part of or maybe a really good customer experience that you've witnessed um, that you're proud of?
2: Um, Yes. So project that I have been part of, God, there's been so many over the last seven years, right? Software One hobbies. Um, I probably (laughs) go with the most recent, and it's something that's really close to my power. As well as obviously I do the um, thing on the side, like outside of Software One. It's something I do in my own time. Um, but the DNI initiative currently going on with Software One, I currently sit within that team helping and supporting that, particularly on the learning piece, which would be something that would be launched next year. Um, so that's something that's really important to me right now. Um, and something I'm super excited to be part of at Software One to kind of help and drive that initiative, um, and just to educate myself and learn much about it. Being not from the US, there's a very different experience here when it comes to DNI. So, kind of learning about that and what I can do, um, you know, to kind of be a better, but make Software One a better place too.
1: When you say DNI, um, that means diversity and inclusion, right?
2: Yes, it does. Okay, Sorry, just making sure. <laughs> um,
1: and and I guess you. Can you just give a little more context to that? Because I think that's new for a lot of us. So that's something that has been started within 2020, right?
2: Yeah. So it's kind of born, which I know Abby will know about. It's born out of um, the WIT initiative that was launched a couple of years ago, which I for one have been doing a great job with like Lindsay and Chelsea and the team and Shelley, um in launching that. So. It's just expanding on that bit more further and bringing in the whole conversation around diversity inclusion. So we're not just looking at you know your gender we're looking at your sexual orientation we're looking at your race um and like write down like a lot of people don't realize like dni goes down to um like your education level or if you have a disability you know how can we kind of help and support you and give you the best working environment at software one across anything that makes you diverse right and make sure that you are included and that you feel belonged at software one and that's certainly super important um for for both like us, both here in Norway but also like on a U.S. level to ensure like we are a family, right? So we want to do everything that we can do to make sure everyone feels like they belong to that family.
1: And I realize we're probably 15 minutes in, but uh, WIT means women in IT. I don't know if we explained that, but you're basically just saying that it turned from WIT, which would just be focusing on empowering women and making it into a broader discussion on all forms of diversity.
2: Yeah, and how we can address that at Software
1: One. Cool. That's great. Yeah, I look awesome. forward to seeing more of that come out in uh, 2021 and beyond, really.
2: Yes, me too. I'm super excited about it. Cool.
0: Very cool. Um, well, should we? I think it's time for rapid fire.
1: Yeah. Yeah, We this is a section. It doesn't have to be super fast answers, but generally, they'll be a little bit quicker and, and faster. So we always like to start off with um, a theme song. So if you had to pick a theme song, Sarah, what would you pick?
2: Oh, God. Um, It depends really on what time of my life. Right now,
0: it was
2: (laughs) produced by Lizzo.
1: Oh, Lizzo. Very good. good. Mm
0: -hmm. Love Lizzo. Me too. She's great. Um, (laughs) So where did
2: you grow up? Uh, I grew up in a tiny, tiny village um, in the southern part of Ireland called Bennett's Bridge, which is in County Kilkenny. It was so tiny. It only had two pubs.
0: Oh wow. Yeah, that's small <laughs> for our <We're> pretty folks. <laughs> so did you did you like know everyone and did everyone know you? Pretty much, yeah.
2: I don't think there was no one we didn't know in our
0: village. It was really small. Yeah. <laughs> um so what were you like as a teen like what genre were you oh god and I know when we asked Shane this question he's like they don't have as many like subcultures in Ireland as they do in the US but if you had to answer that question I yeah I think I was probably pretty
2: laid back it also depends on what part of my teen years I definitely went through some stages um but yeah (laughs) pretty laid back I was pretty good at school just like hung out with my friends and Like we, like I said, we're in a small village. So like each Saturday we'd go into town, which was like five miles away. We'd catch the bus in. And that was like our big thing. We used to go and just like hang out and chill. And I was pretty good.
0: Good. Um, And what was your first job you ever had?
2: Um, uh, I worked in a fast food restaurant in Ireland.
0: Ooh, what fast food restaurant? Um, It's
2: called Supermax. So if you ever go to Ireland, you have to go. They have this burger sauce. Which is amazing. Maybe we can ask Shane too to see if he agrees. But um, it's like every time I go home at Christmas, I go get it.
1: <laughs> so it's it's like a, a fast food burger place, but yeah. it just has a really good sauce.
2: It just has a really good sauce. It's like mm. the Ireland version of McDonald's. I oh. didn't have a McDonald's. Oh. I was like 15. We didn't have one in our town. We only had Supermax. It was oh, the best. Huh.
1: cool. And um, so I'm curious. So you started off. You, you were born in Ireland. Then somehow you ended up in London and then to California. So how did you get to London in the first place?
2: Um, this could be a different podcast. Um, my, uh, I actually grew up with my nan and granddad. So it's always a fun fact. Um, so when I was 16, I moved over to the UK where my mum lived and she lived, um, near Manchester. So I was there for a while, which is like kind of the North middle part of England. Um, if we were like looking at game of thrones it's uh oh, what's the middle one you can edit this bit out me trying to figure out the name Oh, uh, not the wall where did the starks live
0: i admittedly haven't watched game of thrones you know i'm game always ashamed to even say
1: that. <laughs> <laughs> that's a big reveal
2: oh I know, know. I definitely know.
0: edit that out you
2: don't want people hearing <laughs> that. uh anyway well it's up near kind of near the the north of england um and I lived there for 10 years, actually, before I moved to London.
1: Okay, yeah. So I, I think, I, I, think I, like I and this is maybe something that I'm learning too, but I get the sense from talking to Chris and from Shane and from you that really anywhere in the UK, it's pretty fluid, to, you know, to go from Ireland to to Manchester to London, like th- that's a pretty normal kind of thing to move around like that.
2: Yeah, because before, um, I think between the England and Ireland, or sorry, between England and Ireland, it would be the same. Um, but like before Brexit, within anything within the European Union, you had what's called freedom of people. So I could move to Spain, no problem. I wouldn't have to get a visa or anything. Sure. Uh, Brexit has changed things, but between England and Ireland, yeah, you could just dot around pretty easy. But London and the UK is where, especially from a tech perspective, where a lot of the kind of the jobs were.
1: Yeah, makes sense. Um, in the past, we've gotten some really good stories about Patrick or, or other leaders um, within Software One. I'm not sure how well you knew Patrick, but do you have any um, you know great Patrick stories or, or stories from other leaders maybe in the UK office that you can share here?
2: I'd probably say I do have a couple of Patrick stories. Uh, my favorite one, actually is when, um, this might have been 2014 or 2015, I can't remember the year, Patrick announced that he wanted to have within each country culture representatives. Mm-hmm. My immediate reaction was like, okay, yeah, like, so you want me to test that, you know, these guys can drink bums, they're good drinkers, like, <laughs> okay, I can do this. But actually it was more about like learning what's really at the heart of the culture Um, of Software One um, and our values. It was just when our values were starting to come out and how they Mm -hmm. all came back in. So actually, I put myself forward for the UK. I got to go to Switzerland for two days to do two full days with Patrick on the culture of Software One. And it was just such a unique experience to hear from his point of view, from his conception of Software One and how it kind of grew and where the culture grows and where he wanted it to go and why the values were... The way they were and why they relate into software one so that was pretty cool it's probably one of my favorite stories it was such a unique experience
1: yeah that's awesome i you know it's funny because um i this the core values we have seven core values at software one they're so ingrained here i never really stopped to think about that those were never like that when they started yeah <laughs> so that's interesting to hear that there there was a time where that was a new focus. And as we were growing as a company, that was one way to kind of uphold that culture was to
2: create that that role. Mm-hmm. And I think it was just like testament to how much they meant to the organization and to Patrick to for him to take two full days out of his schedule to teach a subset of people what that meant for the organization, but what it meant to you as an individual so that you could bring that back to your subsidiary and relay that message out to both current employees and new employees. And then it was like a, a whole thing that if you were to interview at Software One in the UK, I don't know if this is the same globally, that in your last round of interview, you'd have a cultural representative mm-hmm. fit sit in so, or so that they could assess and feel that you're a good cultural fit in line with our values. Unfortunately, not just because of the drinking, just the value. Right,
1: right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the last thing I have, um, is there a time that you can think of that you've laughed really hard or, or maybe a memorable time where you just couldn't stop laughing?
2: <laughs> there are so many. Um, you know, kind of growing up with my friends and just other things. But I think the one thing that gets me every time, and this is so random, and it's from the old iPhones. You know when you see those screenshots when um, there's been like a typo? Or your phone has spelt a word different for you. And like you said, the message makes no sense. I can't think of what it's called. But those screenshots get me every time. Like literally, if you can not show them to me, I will be, I can feel myself starting to laugh now. They just kill me. And it's just like some of the stuff your phone changes things to is ridiculous. And it just cracks me up.
1: Yeah, like the autocorrect or whatever.
2: <laughs> That's <it>, autocorrect. <all> autocorrect <laughs> fails. And it's normally like it's like, a, you know, your mom has messaged you something or you're like, what? <laughs> 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 so have,
0: have you received any messages like that from like your mom or something or like a friend where you're like, I'm sorry, what are you trying to say? Or this came from you? Or <laughs> is it mostly just seeing what other people have done?
2: Mostly what other people have done. I think the worst one I've ever had was um, – and if some of the guys in the UK office listen to this, they will die laughing. So I didn't get my driving license until I was moving to the US. I didn't need one in London, right? Um, we had our public transport. And when I was doing my lessons, because uh, I learned in a manual or a shift, um, oh, wow. I had like a driving instructor. And we went through this phase where it was really, really hot in London. And there's this meme that goes around of a Barbie doll. And she's like Melted right also looks like she has no clothes on but she's like melted and it was like this is how hot I was last night I'm just dying I sent that to my driving instructor who was like this really old guy and it was <laughs> awful and I had to text him and I was like I'm really sorry I didn't mean to send that to you I meant to send it to I can't remember who I was meant to send it to but I instead of saying who I was meant to I said I meant to send it to my mom which is no better <laughs> oh my God. so like two days later I get into the car for my lesson I'm like hey and he's like have you cooled down now I'm like oh. <laughs> it was awful I never know I, I passed though, was so I feel grateful
1: <laughs> yeah it's all worth it since you passed. maybe that was why you passed
0: maybe <laughs> in the end <laughs> Um, what are you into right now? Any hobbies or music or TV shows or I don't know, like an article you might have read that you're you're still thinking about? Or
2: um, was we kind of discussed before this went live? Podcasts. I I do listen to a lot of podcasts. Um, I'm obsessed with this one called Crime Junkie, so I would go check it out. It's about uh, a lot of unsolved crimes. murders that have happened um they do international ones so it's not just always the US um but I always like listening to them but currently as well right now um I just finished season four of The Crown so I have found myself what did you think I loved it I love it. I've literally since then, I've watched every
0: documentary I could find. <laughs> <Every> <laughs> oh, and Netflix movies. is like feeding me all sorts of royal family content. Yes. And I don't know if, if you've
2: watched it too, and you were the same as me. Like it probably took me twice as long to get through it because I pause it, Google what's happening. Yes. <laughs>
0: Did oh, yeah. And now I'm getting fed more royal family articles like in my other news feeds because I've been searching for it. And I'm like, this is like a never-ending like, situation <laughs> I've put myself in. <laughs> I am just feed itself
2: obsessed. Like really fun fact. So um, when we sold our house in my small little village that I grew up in, it always been our house. We had built it for our family. Um, so we all went over in 2016 to kind of uh, pack it all up and get it ready for selling. So we went into the attic um, and we found like all of these boxes and they had like scrapbooks in them. Um, so my nan had made a scrapbook of the queen. She was obsessed oh, with the really? queen. Oh, She actually applied for a job at Buckingham Palace, but she never got um, to be a nanny. And um, like articles about the queen from the newspapers or any pictures or any outfits that she'd really liked. Then there was another scrapbook that my mum had made, all of Princess Diana. Kind of similar things like news articles. And we didn't know about these. They were all in different yeah. boxes and they were and then there was another one found that I had made of Prince William.
0: <laughs> <'Cause> I,
2: <laughs> I was going to marry him. Um, my nanny always devastate me. She'd be like, he can't
0: marry you. You're Catholic. <laughs>
2: so I thought that was super interesting. And yeah, now I'm currently obsessed with it again.
0: <laughs> I've been doing the same. I'm I'm on like a royal family bender right now. Just like absorbing all the content. Yeah. You'll um,
2: have to get on board.
1: I know it's actually on our list of, of shows. So, um, I'm, I'm inspired now. I'll, I'll bump it up the list. (laughs) I I do have to ask because it, you know, we don't know Chris super, super well. We're getting to know him and it seems like he's always, you know, a really joking kind of guy, but then also he showed us a very serious side too. and, And that was really impressive. But um yeah explain a little bit more about Chris like it sounds like he's all about the jokes and and he can be serious when he needs to but he also has a really good sense of humor.
2: Yeah so Chris Chris has been like my leader until I moved into this new role pretty much my entire time at Software One. Um definitely could never have asked for a better leader. Uh Chris was phenomenal. Um, not just helping me throughout my professional career at software one, but also like, you know, with a move across country and just like my personal always felt like someone I could go to, Mm -hmm. um, for support and for, for advice on like how I should kind of handle or tackle certain situations. So definitely kind of has that serious side, but Chris is funny. Uh, super, super funny. I remember when I joined software one, there was this whole story going around about this restaurant train, uh, sorry, restaurant chain in the UK called Nando's. Um, and he would written this letter explaining to like whoever would listen at Nando's why he should be holder of this black card, which basically meant that you got Nando's for life for free. And it was the <laughs> funniest thing I had ever written. But one thing like a Chris Brown, he is super passionate about Software One. Um, I'm sure that probably came across in his podcast. Um, definitely does like to have a joke, but can be can be serious to, in a good way, you know, when when he needs to be to kind of get what we need to get done. But if you were to cut Chris Brown open, it would be software one red inside. It's ridiculous how much passion that this guy has for the company and it comes through and it's definitely helped inspire me in my journey, my career with software one. And it's a reason why I'm still here today, move to the other side of the world for them and continue to still be here
1: that's, that's great. great that's an awesome way to end it I think what do you think Abby?
0: Yeah I think so yeah um, I don't want to give him before. a big head either right so.
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like all the joking kind of keeps him humble because otherwise yeah there's so many nice things to say but the, the joking kind of keeps him humble.
2: It does and he certainly makes it like a fun environment to work in right it's that that kind of balance that work at life harmony that Patrick and everyone kind of talks about he helps like get that within work, that kind of
0: fun serious harmony within work. Chris is just key at that. That's great. I love that. Um, well, thank you, Sarah. Um, really appreciate you being on.
1: That's been another episode of the Swell Files. Music, editing, and mixing by
0: Brandon Avenger. And we love to hear from you. So send us your feedback and future guest recommendations. We're on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. So be sure to subscribe to never miss an episode.